Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, everybody. This this is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting a lead technology show, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast Time. Check us out on Monday and Tuesday. We have both a morning and evening show on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel. <clears throat> Before I get started, I just want to remind the audience, uh, the purpose of T3 program is to integrate our scientists, engineers, innovators with the non-techie folks and talk about uh, new engineering products, new innovations, and new ideas that are out there. And uh, to keep the audience informed, please call 866-472-5788 if you have any questions or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. I'm kind of excited today because we're, we're going to talk about a subject, nuclear power, recycling, what do I know? And I have two guests, Steve Curtis and Tom Dolan. Uh, Steve has worked in the radiation and nuclear profession for over 30 years. He is currently advancing nuclear energy as a way to contribute to clean energy production, and his ideas are catching uh, and gaining attention throughout the country. He is a member of the American Nuclear Society and is the past president of the Las Vegas, Nevada chapter. Mr. Tom Dolan has a, has an aviation degree, uh, has been with the law enforcement for over 25 years. Uh, he predominantly works in the maritime aviation industry for port and homeland security. Tom has a bunch of certificates. I'll just read off a few of them. Uh, emergency Management Institute, Radiation Emergency Management, Radiation and Emergency Response, National Incident Management System, Incident Command System, and of course the National Response Plan and State Disaster Management. Tom and Steve, uh, if uh, I want to go ahead and talk about the nuclear power and recycling and what do we know about it, but let's talk a little bit about your particular project right now, and then I want to go back a little bit and talk about the nuclear power industry as a whole, both from the world perspective, what the U.S. is doing, what's going on in Virginia. So just give me a quick summary, but I really want to talk about your ideas on recycling in segment two and three. So, Steve, okay, you want to go first? Sure. Um, basically, I've been involved with this, having lived in Las Vegas uh, for 38 years um, with this issue every day. And kind of people in the professional group are horrified that this is a, an issue at all because there really is, it's not that big a problem when you talk about the entire nuclear industry. And so we're, we're miffed that there's this much hype about it. So my idea is after 40 years of not doing anything, why don't we design an incentive for a state to take this on. I know it's politically risky because of all the hype that's out there, but I'm going to try to allay some fears today, and Tom's going to help me do that. And the idea would be to offer a huge benefit, economic benefit, to a state to recycle the spent nuclear fuel. And that way, if that offer was made to the federal government, they'd certainly accept it because they've been working for ages trying to alleviate this problem. And they have about $40 billion in their hip pocket that has that is targeted to solve this problem, and there's not a single state out there 
that is currently a consent state to take this. And so maybe we need to look at it from a different perspective and maybe we can try to convince the state that it's really a good idea in a very low risk, high economic benefit uh, that the government's going to pay you to get into. Yeah, and just, as we move just forward... A, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, on a, quick, on a quick background where people don't understand, well, uh, you're, you're having this fuel in a nuclear reactor for, let's say, three to four years. Now, what happens when they pull this fuel back out, it's used fuel, there is almost 95% energy still left in there that can be recycled. It's almost like putting a log into a fireplace and just burning off the bark and then pulling it out. There's so much power left in there. And the problem with the original thing is when you're pulling out that spent fuel, it has a, a radioactivity that will last hundreds of thousands of years. By recycling it, like we do with tin cans and everything else today, it's actually lowering that uh, radioactivity to a manageable amount of almost 300 years. So it's a big, big concept altogether where we're doing something environmentally, and the stuff that we have out there in the stockpiles right now, we could power our country for over 100 years with what's still there. I guess uh, the core of the nuclear power industry, understanding some of the hazards of the nuclear power industry, and really getting knowledge of what, what are facts and fictions, because there's, there seems to be a lot of uh, fiction out there. Absolutely, and that's what we're trying to dispel today. Uh, it, it, if you think about it, and you really, in a quiet time and not with a bunch of rhetoric, the nuclear industry has the best industrial safety record of any energy business and for that fact any business ever people don't realize that they're looking at this from what could happen in the extreme and maybe that's the case but that's not the way we look at any other industry i mean if we wouldn't drive cars if we looked at how many wrecks we had every year and and so there's a little bit of a different thought process to nuclear we're trying to dispel that uh with with what really goes on and trying to give a different perspective of that. But nuclear provides 19% of the energy, electrical energy we use today. And uh, it's, uh, it's 60% of the clean energy that's out there. So there's a, a movement to move towards clean energy, and a lot of states are horrified that the nuclear won't be a piece of that if, if things go the way they're going and they're doing something about it. So there's really a concern. If you're really concerned about the climate, you should be concerned about having nuclear power because it is uh, the thing today that is the clean energy solution. Right. So let, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about the world just in general so that people have an understanding what's going around in the world as, as far as building nuclear power plants, who's using the nuclear power plants, why are these uh, nuclear power plants being uh, still online. Even though we've had uh, three major key accidents, uh, uh, people are still building nuclear power plants. So uh, how many countries are out there in the world that are using uh, nuclear power right now? There's more than 30 that have, okay. have some level of nuclear power right now. Um, the, big, the big countries, of course, the industrial countries are taking it on. Um, Germany, at their peril, has shut down their nuclear power plants, all of them. are trying to replace it with solar, and they're having a very tough time of it. They have tripled their, uh, their, their cost of electricity and really gooped up their air because of it. They're actually buying clean energy from France now. France is 80% nuclear and has been for five decades. And they've had absolutely no issue with nuclear, and they re- recycle all of their spent fuel. 
Russia is going into the export business with nuclear now. They have some very credible reactors that they're exporting to other countries and sort of beating the pants of us on the export business for nuclear, which we dominate for many years. Many and then years, China yeah. just needs as much nuclear and uh, much power, period, as they can get. So they have 45 reactors online now, and they're building 11 this year. So they're going to surpass us probably before the middle of the 2020s in the number of reactors they have online, and that's light water reactors. They're also going into the next generation reactor business with small module reactors, and that's a whole other story we can talk about. But that's the way the future is going for a reactor. Uh, they're inherently safe. If you walk away from them and leave them alone, they will shut down. They will not go. You can't make them go critical, prompt critical, uh, like some of the accidents you discussed. I'm happy to talk about the accidents. They're very benign when you talk about how many people were affected by them compared to other industrial processes we do. But they've been really hyped up and, and um, need to put that back in perspective. And I think that's the issue right now. I mean, for the U.S. as a three-mile island, you got the latest, uh, the Japanese issue. And so people are kind of apprehensive uh, as they look at nuclear power. And I I remember as a, well, in the early 70s, you used to fly around California as I was taking my uh, flight uh, training there. And there was all kinds of nuclear power. And I think the last two are still going, but soon to be uh, out of business here shortly. Well, San Onofre has been shut down, and they're decommissioning. Uh, Diablo Canyon is on slate to do that in 2024, but there's a large contingent in California that, again, are horrified because that's going to set them back with their clean energy goals a, a whole bunch of years. And the, the bottom line is, if you're going to want clean energy, you're going to want nuclear to work with wind and solar to be the backup energy for wind and solar, because wind and solar intermittent is a big problem. They can't find places to build them now. They're, they're finding, actually, environmental opposition forces because they want to cut down too many trees or they want to put them on a turtle uh, uh, endangered species place and things like that. So there really is uh, upheaval within the environmental world now, and, and a lot of environmental organizations are going with nuclear. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to know who's, who's paying for all the anti-nuclear rhetoric, but it is, it is it's not credible in my mind. And there's a reason to stay with nuclear because it just is the carbon-free energy solution of the future, especially working with wind and solar. I mean, right, right now here in Dominion and in Virginia here, I, I have a overcast day. We're not, and it's no wind whatsoever. So whether we have solar or, or wind energy, we're not getting anything from it today. So, you know, you need baseload uh, nuclear energy to be the backbone and, and drive other uh, carbon-free energies to uh, help out. Right. So you're not uh, uh, discussing nuclear power as a replacement, but uh, as a, another form of energy resources that we can grab because of its efficiency and, and the use of it. Uh, I find it quite surprising that the international community is moving forward. You've got the European countries. You've got uh, you know Ukraine, Hungary. You have China. You mentioned Russia. France is a major producer in, uh, in Europe. So though that, that's really interesting. You've got India, South Korea. And even Japan, uh, I was quite surprised at the number of uh, reactors that even the Japanese have. So people are right. moving forward with these uh, reactors and the use of uh, um, nuclear power. All right, what what yeah, are they behind? That's for sure. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. not not good for our economy. Um, in in the abstract, if you're talking about the business aspect of it, but it's not good for our for air quality either. Um, 
I, I absolutely do think solar and wind have their place, but I think they need to compete on a level playing field. So if we're gonna if we're gonna have subsidies for clean energy, we should have it for all clean energy as a standardized uh, uh, subsidy thing. When you when you when you boost up one industry, what you get is kind of a lazy industry. They don't have to innovate anymore because now they got subsidies. They can put whatever they have on the on on their current drawing table out there and 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 make it work because it seems cheap to people. But that's not going to last forever. And they and we need the market to test uh, the the energy sources in the marketplace like that like nuclear has for sixty years. So the innovation comes along. So they they keep improving. So they have to keep up with with the other uh, offers for 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 power. And now that we have clean energy is is becoming a a desire. Uh, we're trying to wean ourselves from coal, even natural gas. Natural gas is very cheap right now, so they're looking at that as a as a benefit. But it is a fossil fuel producing energy. So if we're going to have a national uh, concept of this, it should be an all encompassing compass. We should have all hands on deck using everything that we can have. And nuclear, like I said, nineteen percent of the electricity used today comes from nuclear in the United States. Well, we got to look at the economic value impacts on most of this stuff from fossil fuels. We're trying to replace it, but you need to have a base load on this. Uh, you know, anywhere from 361 to 886 uh, billion dollars from uh, uh, health uh, uh, problems from uh, coal and fossil fuels. So it, it's something that needs to be done soon. And uh, it, we're falling behind and economically and uh, uh, environmentally. We, it's something that has to be done. So, All right. Well, let's focus on the United States. Uh, how, many, uh, uh, how many states are using nuclear power, and what are the leading states using nuclear power right now? Well, in, uh, in, in to put it in perspective, we all have a national grid. So power goes on the grid, you use it. So the power you get that coming off of your, into your house, you can't tell where it came from. So even if you have a state that doesn't have a nuclear power reactor, you're probably using nuclear power on a grid or buying it back and forth between grids and things like that. But there right. are 33 states now that have some level of nuclear power in them. Illinois has the most nuclear power reactors. And uh, um, they're, uh, they're fighting, actually, they're fighting uh, to keep their nuclear power reactors because of their clean energy goals. Illinois is, Pennsylvania is, Ohio just uh, passed a bill to subsidize uh, the nuclear power there because the nuclear industry, you have to understand, uh, utilities own nuclear reactors, but they also own solar and wind and everything else. So what right. they're saying is, well, if you're going to subsidize wind and solar so much, who needs the nuclear? Why should we pay for that to keep going? If, if you're going to subsidize wind and solar, we'll go that direction if that's the way you're economically driving us. So they're bringing this to the legislature to say, before we shut these down, you've got to know what's going on. They're good for another 20 years. And they're hugely profitable in that time frame. But if you're going to subsidize to go wind and solar, we've got to go where the, the biggest profit is. And so if you don't subsidize nuclear equally, we're going to move in a different direction. So it's utilities that are driving the train on, on what power source they use. And they're going to move where the, where the dollar gets them the most benefit. But nuclear power competes every day with the, with, the, with the power industry. And if you left the whole system alone and didn't subsidize anybody or subsidize everybody equally – Nuclear power compete very very well, right? And that's I guess the uh, with the new uh, uh, let's say 
uh, climate change concerns uh, and the resurgence of nuclear power and competing, I guess, a fair, on a fair basis, uh, it seems like the nuclear power would be there uh, to contribute uh, enormous power energy. And I'm just thinking about California right now. I mean, they're, yeah, California they're really in a rolling blackouts. Yeah. Well, there's a whole other issue there. They're shutting off power because of liability. They're actually yep. shutting off people, hundreds of thousands of people. I think over a million at some point they shut off their power because they lost a lawsuit that said they started a fire. So that's the way they're, they're, they're taking their brawl and going home. And so what are you going to do? You know, they're, they're rational what they can do. You can't blame the power company. You know, if you're going to sue them for $11 billion, they're going to take some safeguards. And this is the only thing and, they know to do. And in the right future now. of you know, uh, nuclear energy, they're going to have small nuclear reactors, which can be for certain cities. You don't have to have all the transmission lines to bring all the energy in. And it's, they're going to be so much more efficient than the reactors we have today. But the spent nuclear fuel or used nuclear fuel issue is clouding you know, uh, a lot of decisions uh, on the future of nuclear energy, which needs to be addressed. All right. Well, I've got about a minute left. Let me just say, folks, we're talking about nuclear power, recycling. What do I know? I have two guests here, uh, uh, Mr. Steve Curtis, who's worked in the industry for over 30 years. I have Mr. Tom Dolan, who's been in the law enforcement, uh, emergency management uh, business for 25, over 25 years. We're talking about uh, nuclear power, nuclear power in the global sense, nuclear power uh, use in the U.S. and uh, Illinois and Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania are the two main users or contributors or producers of nuclear energy. Talked about the rolling blackouts in California and where do we go from there? Is nuclear power the salvation to uh, the climate change issue? Uh, nuclear power brings a lot of uh, um, goodness if you take a step back and, and, and look at the energy that it produces. And as Steve said, it, it, it produces quite a bit, uh, about 60% of the power in the country. So uh, one of the things we want to talk about in the next segment is what do we do about nuclear power and the waste product? Because that's one of the fears that people have. We've had three major accidents, of course, uh, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, and of course, the Japanese uh, uh, area that uh, caused a lot of concerns with people. And so the question is, how do I overcome that? Uh, so we'll be right back. This is your host, Jose Negron on T3. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or send an email to today tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com now back to our show Welcome back, folks. Uh, let's continue the T3 program. Our topic today is nuclear power, recycling. What do I know? Let's focus on recycling the waste of nuclear power. And uh, I'm, I have two guests here, Mr. Steve Curtis and Mr. Tom Dolan. Steve has been involved in the nuclear industry for over 30 years. And Tom comes from the law enforcement and emergency management for over 25 years, has many cert- uh, certification and rapid re- uh, radiation response, incident command uh, response and system operation. So both of these guys are entrepreneurs. Uh, they're working on trying to get the, uh, uh, as the United States to start recycling uh, nuclear waste. So, Steve, let me turn to you. Let me let's talk about the nuclear waste recycling program that you're trying to get uh, started, and then uh, J- Tom uh, jump in for anything else you would like to add. So, over to Steve. Okay, actually, a lot of people don't realize that the nuclear industry was going to recycle. That was their solution to spent fuel. So it's not like they ignored this problem. They had the U.S. government jump in, and, and back in the uh, uh, Carter area, well, it started with the Ford administration, but went to the Carter administration. They were afraid of somebody might get a hold of plutonium, so they didn't want to recycle. They thought the rest of the world would follow them, but the rest of the world went to recycling anyway. And so we were stuck with this policy, and by the time Reagan reversed it, they had already started mining and uh, uh, enriching uranium to make the fuel, which to them looked more profitable. So um, the government decided they were going to bury it, and they were going to put it in uh, a place called Yucca Mountain in Nevada, which is a fine place to put it, despite what you've heard. But Nevada fought that. Nevada all of a sudden started fighting that, despite the fact that they had totally endorsed it in the late 70s. By the early 80s, they had completely turned around and were fighting that that issue uh, tooth and nail. And so they, they paid some money, and they got a, a defense, and they managed to put off the uh, usage of the Yucca Mountain, despite spending $12 billion to study it and find out that it's okay, now Nevada has still, through the courts, has managed to delay this, and then they had a powerful senator there that managed to stop all the funding. Like you said, in 2010, he just stopped the funding. He didn't change the law. He didn't change the approach. He didn't have a better idea. He just stopped the funding and shut it down. 
And so now we're stuck with this stuff, and the answer is to put it on the sites where it's made now. It goes for four to seven years into uh, 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 like a swimming pool water. Uh, mm-hmm. Water can shield it. Water can cool it. After four to seven years, depending on how much it burned up in the reactor, it can come out and be air-cooled. So they put those into uh, concrete containers, reinforced concrete containers, and either set them on a pad or set them into a, what is called a sarcophagus where they sit there and cool down. And they're perfectly safe where they sit. The trouble is that the 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 government has taken the responsibility for owning this, and so they're owing something to the uh, reactor companies for that. And so they're paying them right now $2.2 million a day to store these stuff on the site, which is sort of wow. some cost because they could be going somewhere else <laughs> and being used. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's something a lot of people haven't heard about and don't know. And uh, the, the idea is that the... the like Tom said, there's a lot of energy left in this spent fuel, and right. it would right. make it worthwhile to recycle it. But like they said, when they look at it from a very myopic view, it says, well, it's easier to mine it and, and, um, and enrich it and make fuel this way, so we don't even want to bother with it. So they kicked it down when you're looking, for yeah, four decades. When you're looking ahead, at Tom. that, you have different states that have bans on mining uranium, and Virginia is one of them. It's like if you want to get fresh fuel, well, guess what? The, the stockpile is getting smaller because you can't mine it in certain places. Right, right. And, you, and, well, and it's, find- a, it's a depreciable value thing. It's, it's a national asset which should be preserved. That's another issue. So is it $2.2 million a year for all of these or per day? Per, per day. day. $750 million a year is what they're paying the reactor utilities now to store the stuff. That's all of them. All. Wow. All well, my understanding is we've got about 90 metric tons of nuclear waste. Uh, I think they're in 80 sites, 35 states, and now we're paying over $750 million per, uh, to contain them. I mean, that's a lot of money, uh, and a, we do need to recycle, I guess, get rid of that. Well, dollar. if we moved them to a central location, recycled them, then at least the government would have their um, their obligation satisfied as far as the utility is concerned. They're starting to take this field. It doesn't make any sense. They're talking about an interim storage facility, and it doesn't make any sense to take them one place and leave them for 40 years and then take them somewhere else. To us, that doesn't make any sense. You should decide where you're going to, if you're going to recycle it, decide where you're going to recycle it and, and move there. And if you recycle it, you don't need a deep geological repository, so it could be anywhere. And so... Our idea is that maybe Virginia could be convinced to be that state to do it, and if they are, a huge bunch of benefits will roll their way, not the least of which is an entry into the energy business for the next generation or the next couple generations as as benefit of having this spent nuclear fuel and recycle it. And the government pays for it to get you going Mm -hmm. in the business. It It makes too much sense to say no, but like you said, people are afraid. I guess the... Uh, just one second, Tom. Let me uh, just say uh-huh. that my research, uh, it looked like there was about 95% uh, lo- uh, low u- uranium recycling uh, amounts, and at about 5% there are in the high-level nuclear waste products. So the, the 95% should be recycled right away, which lowers your uh, metric tons, uh, and then you worry about the other 5%. And I think it, it came out to uh, 
you know, about 14 metric tons of high-level uh, nuclear waste. So that's a manageable figure versus uh, 90 currently today, and the expected growth is about 100 metri- 140 metric tons. Um, so I think your idea has merit. Now the question is, how do we convince the politicians, the public, and even the utility companies? Well, I was hoping money would convince them, okay? Yeah. usually does in everything else, and it may turn around that it does it in this time. Because we can paint a picture of a $5 billion business per year mm-hmm. within the first five or six years from the recycling and the accompanying. And if you ask for this business, you'll get it. You get a carbon-free national laboratory. You get microgrid research. Militaries are going, the military, Army, and you know, the Navy's already had reactors now for six genera- or six decades, but the Army and Air Force now are going back to wanting these next-generation reactors for their advantage. You could do that research there. You could ask for all of this to be brought to your state as a condition for taking this recycling stuff. And if you, the, in 2016, the energy business, including transportation, which is going electric in the next two generations, is, it was uh, $1.2 trillion. So even if you take the, grab 5% of it, that's that's sixty billion dollars a year. I mean, that's an economic benefit that's hard to say no to. So I think it's right. a matter of just trying to get the audiences to talk about this. I haven't yet to talk to an audience that doesn't like it, in mostly in Nevada. But I but but if you talk to them and explain it to them, they they don't see a problem with it. Right. Yeah, right. we're trying to do some online social media. We're we're slow to start, but you know anyone who can come in and help us, uh, you know, by getting the word out is going to make a big difference. If you have Virginia, let's say, being the first uh, uh, consent state to accept used nuclear fuel to recycle it, it's going in the right direction. And by having a national laboratory for carbon-free energy, it's not just nuclear. It's anything that's going to be coming here in the future, whether it's going to be hydro, wind, solar. How can we keep the, the trend going, cleaning the air, doing the right thing? It, it, it makes sense. And, uh, you know, by, ha- by helping the government saying we have a solution, let's get started with it. We won't be the only state to recycle it because the, the amount out there right now is, is too much just to have Virginia. Uh, and, and people are also wondering, like, oh, well, we don't want this going through our state. And it's going through our state right now as we talk. The, the, the U.S. Navy, when they have their used nuclear fuel, it goes on rail all the way to Idaho. However, when you yes. do recycle spent nuclear fuel, used nuclear fuel, it is no longer classified as radioactive. It's still, uh, and it can travel the roads. It's not as dangerous or anywhere near as dangerous as the spent nuclear fuel to begin with. But... Correct. That's correct. the ninety-five well, percent that you separate. It's the other three or four percent that we worry about. Exactly, and that's that three right. or four percent we can control. And I, I said about five yes. percent earlier in the show. But uh, I guess it's the Three Mile Island. It's Chernobyl. It's uh, Fukushima. It's the accidents that may happen. That I don't think we understood uh, understand or understood the repercussions of those. What actually happened? What was the cause? And where are we today? And I think that's the the challenge you guys have. Three Mile Island was actually an example of why the safety systems worked in a reactor that nobody got hurt and nobody got a material amount of dose that, that affected them. It, what we called it in, in our business is a, a public affairs uh, disaster, not a, not a 
not a reactor disaster. Because right. truly it did melt down, but it didn't melt down outside the containment system. It didn't get out to the public. It's totally isolated and saved, and that's because the safeguards are built into the system. So Three Mile Island is actually an example of how the built-in safeguards worked and protected the uh, communities around the reactor sites and should give us confidence that these things work. Um, and that's I'll talk a perfect Chernobyl. thing right there. Because Chernobyl was basically, Chernobyl, a, basically a very a dictatorial government. That uh, just one second, let me Steve. Let, Chernobyl Tom, real quick. Yeah. Just one second, Steve. Tom, you had a point there as Steve was ending yeah, his conversation. Yeah, just a quick one. I mean, in Russia, they did not build to contain. They built to get a massive size. If they had the containment system over there, just like Three Mile Island, this would not have been a major catastrophe. This was a man-made thing by shutting down systems to test it. They did the wrong thing. But the thing is, is this would never happen in the United States because we have safety built in. When something happens or they say, well, we need to do this, the industry fixes itself. They go in and take care of the problem so it doesn't become a problem. That's all okay, I'm saying. was an example of a dictatorial regime that ordered their people to do things that they knew were wrong. And, and it really wasn't an accident. It was really shutting down safety systems, pushing the reactor to the edge, trying to make a name for themselves. You've, if you saw the Netflix show, you saw how that part of it happened. I won't endorse the entire Netflix show, but they did show how the bosses were driving the um, workers to do something that they were horrified at. Yeah, and wrong so decisions. Can, yeah. Yep, and that's what caused that. And, and like Tom said, the cheap reactor design, which would work fine if you left the safety uh, valves into it. But they, they defeated the safety processes. Uh, there was no uh, outside containment like there would be at Three Mile Island or any other reactor in the world. And and so you just had a man-made disaster. And then Fukushima, the big story there was an earthquake and tsunami that killed 19,000 people. Nobody died or got hurt as a result of that reactor issue there. Another example of how way beyond design configuration was still managed and, and, and handled by the people on the site. And uh, it's been way overhyped, and I, I, I just, it horrifies me that they talked about the reactor at all when 19,000 people died from a tsunami earthquake. It was just terrible reporting. And, and especially the evacuation. They evacuated people that did not need to be evacuated, and uh, probably 1,500 people, if not more, died from the evacuation. None from any radiological problem whatsoever. And, and now public... When you see the news, it's, you know, people who don't know enough about nuclear energy or, you know, radiation spewing all sorts of things. Uh, apparently, like Chernobyl, okay, that was a big uh, incident. However, today it's a, a tourist attraction. People go there within hundreds of feet of the, the actual containment. People, after Chernobyl... That was still open. The power plant was producing power for probably another 14 years or so. People don't understand. It. People went back to work. They were working there. It's just, it's a lot of stuff that people don't know or are aware of. And when you bring it to their attention, they're like, oh, people live back there and, you know, move back in. They're, they're living there, you know, not, not on a big scale, but still, uh, it's not what was portrayed. 
Right. So there's a, mis- there's a lot of mis there's a lot of misinformation, misinformation, lack of understanding, lack of education, and so I think that's what both of you all are trying to do is bring awareness and get back to making decisions on facts versus just fiction or a misunderstanding of the of the process, the knowledge, and the execution. I I am sitting here looking at nuclear power as. It's one of the energies that we must go into. Uh, it can be safe, should be safe. Uh, as Steve mentioned, the safeguards are important. So we've got about two minutes left. Uh, so, Steve, uh, give me a quick uh, understanding where we're at uh, as far as w- what you think the recycling business needs to go into. And then in the next segment, we'll focus on Virginia itself. Okay, it's a well-understood process. I mean, it's been done in France for six decades with no incident. Um, it's, it really does allow you to take the unused part of the fuel and reuse it for other purposes. But when we're looking at the future for small modular reactors, there's even more of an advantage because those reactors use different kinds of fuel. It's basically light water reactors use the same type of fuel everywhere. These next generation reactors have different designs that use different pieces of the fuel, all the way from depleted uranium up to something that's almost 20% enriched. So the business of making these and researching and, and developing these designer uh, uh, fuels are, are something that re- recycling is necessary for. And bottom line is you just don't want to throw away a valuable resource. It's, it, it would be like throwing away gold in my mind. But there are, right. there are well-understood systems to do it, and, and they understand how to build the plants, and there's actually uh, more modern systems that take care of the next-generation reactor fuel better that could be employed in this area. But the bottom line is it's been done before. There's no secrets to it. There's, it understands how to do it, and it's way cheaper than burying it. It's, it's uh, probably eight times cheaper to recycle than it is to bury it. And yeah, so I think a we've lot gone past. I think we've gone past the burying side of it or the storage side. We've got to do something about it. And and as we talked about earlier in the program, as I summarize, about I would say ninety five percent is a low threat uh, uh, concentration of nuclear uh, radioactivity, and the high level of nuclear waste it's uh, less than five percent, and it's something that we have to deal with. But when you go from ninety metric tons to one hundred and forty metric tons. You got to start working that issue today. You have over 80 sites, 35 states that are contributing to this, and we need to come up with a solution set that is applicable to to the nuclear industry. And hopefully, by your efforts of educating, informing, and providing the facts, uh, the public and the politicians will move forward into uh, a new recycling opportunity to get waste off those storage sites. So, folks, uh, this is uh, your host, Ozanic Rohn. We've been talking uh, nuclear power and recycling. What do we do? Or what do I know? And the most important thing is we're going to talk about Virginia nuclear power in the next segments. We'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways 
run by vested interests, which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Although a controversial subject, one thing that seems to be proven is that cannabis has some incredible medical properties. Join Dr. Joe Rosado for Talk. We'll talk about medical cannabis through research from Dr. Joe over the last decade. Plus, groundbreaking news, inspiration, and education that will have you thinking about the industry differently. Featuring guests and advice from Dr. Joe. Talk airs live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Let's continue our third segment. Uh, our topic today is nuclear power recycling. What do I know? I'm uh, uh, discussing the topic with two experts, uh, Mr. Steve Curtis, who has 30 years in the business, and, of course, Mr. Tom Dolan has 25 years in law enforcement and incident management. Both of these gentlemen are entrepreneurs working on how and why we need to recycle nuclear waste. Our focus earlier in the first segment was to talk about nuclear power throughout uh, the international community who's doing it in Europe uh, as far as Russia, China, France, UK, India is getting on on station. And then we talked a little bit about the U.S. uh, and how many states are doing it. And in the U.S., we had 33 states working on uh, having their own nuclear power. We talked a little bit about California and their power distribution going into blackouts, which is unheard of. uh, And that's uh, interesting to me since they were a leading nuclear state with power uh, in the early 70s. So uh, this segment, what I want to do is is uh, have uh, Steve start the process. What are they doing specifically for Virginia? They're working on the recycling of nuclear waste, uh, how they're going about it, and uh, I'll turn it over to Tom as far as how he's trying to uh, do his outreach to folks. So, Steve, let's talk about Virginia. What's going on in Virginia? How do you try to get the folks involved in, in Virginia to move it as a recycling state? Okay, uh, basically, uh, we want to make ourselves available to talk to anybody who wants to listen. So the, the first step is to getting people to listen, which you're helping a lot with here today. 
But our idea is to, you're going to need the politicians eventually. But talking straight to the politicians doesn't always work. So we're trying to get the message out to the people directly. And Tom will talk about a little bit while we're doing that. But our concept is, if we can get the politicians, and you have to get them all to agree, and you have to get them all to march to Washington, D.C. and make this deal, if we can put together the deal, then the, the, the government will accept it without, without question. I mean, they're, well, not without question, but they're going to they're going to they're going to be very very anxious to deal with you and make this happen because they've been dealing with it for forty years and it's costing them money. And so, uh, the first step then is to get the state, hopefully Virginia, and all the people involved to agree on what approach they want to take. Well, that's going to take a program office to put all that together because you're going to have to talk to different types of groups. You're going to have to have public outreach. You're going to have to talk to politicians. You're going to have to talk to, to the Washington side of it. You're going to have to talk to professional organizations. And you're going to have to bring them on board a little bit, and that's uh, a more than a full-time job. So our idea is to put together a program office that is funded by some some part, I would hope Virginia would want to do it, but if they don't, then, then maybe an industry partner would want to do it to get this going. But the idea of the money-making project for, the, for this program office is the eventual solution to spend fuel the government wants to run with a, a private-public organization run by private people but involving public people. They don't want DOE to do it. They want this corporation that they're going to form to, to manage this process going forward. Well, this company, or this project office that's set up could really easily morph into that. And that's easily billions of dollars a year in profit. So um, that's what I'm hoping will resonate. And, and, and by doing this, we talk billions all the time, like they're you know, laying in the streets in big stacks, but um, really billions of dollars are, are easily possible in the energy business. Like I said, it's a $1.2 trillion a year business that you only need 5% of it to get $60 billion a year. So there's a lot, a lot of money in this, in this energy game. And I think that by capturing the next generation reactor business and the recycling business for spent fuel, you'd almost control the clean energy aspect of the next two generations for probably the world. Um, and that just seems like an offer that's too good to turn down, and yet they're still you know, wondering about it. And, and that's, that's our approach anyway. We want to take it a step at a time, so we're not going to think of how to recycle right now. We're going to think of how to convince people to take the deal. That's our, our immediate uh, concern. Okay, and Tom? Okay, well, uh, here in Virginia, they're actually moving in the proper direction. We have two power plants here with uh, two nuclear reactors each, um, one putting out 1.9 gigawatts of power, the other one putting out 1.6, and a whole big sector of, of companies that are actually supporting this. Now, back in 2013, 14, someplace around there, the then governor uh, actually enacted an authority called Virginia Nuclear Energy Consortium Authority. They were responsible for making the Commonwealth a national and global leader in nuclear energy. And, uh, you know, to have something like this, it's, it's amazing that we're moving in that direction, but it seems like it's stalled out. Uh, there's been a bipartisan, uh, uh, you know, a coalition here to, uh, they have a bill right now. Uh, it's called the Virginia Nuclear Energy Leadership Act to do just this. From one person from a Democrat and the other side of the aisle, you know, Republican. And they're both going to do this because they know that, if Virginia is going to be part of this energy 
uh, you know, uh, revolution here, clean energy, carbon free. They need to start doing stuff. But from our standpoint here, unless you have all the pieces of the puzzle, you, you can't be national or world leader, especially with, uh, you know, used spent nuclear fuel. It's just been a dead issue for four, over 40 years, which now needs to be become foremost in, in what's going on. Uh, right now, our, our nuclear reactors are actually making 96% of the state's emission-free energy, okay? But we right. do have 5.2 million pounds of used nuclear fuel that's still waiting there that could be a valuable resource for future Virginia or the country to recycle. Yeah, I want to bring up, and let's cover those facts. I mean, uh, you said it earlier. You could uh, power the entire U.S. electrical grid off the energy of the nuclear waste for 100 years. And as you said, just Virginia alone has 5.2 million pounds of commercial waste uh, from the four reactors. There's 138 million pounds of commercial waste at temporary storage sites um, nationwide. There's 150 million pounds of radioactive nuclear waste that could be stored at Yucca Mountain. Yucca Mountain, uh, prior to 20, 2008, um, had $9 billion to develop the Yucca Mountain storage site, which stopped uh, its process in 2010. And there's over uh, $13 billion owed to the utility company. That's some of the numbers and dollar figures that Steve and I talked about in the first segment, about $2.2 million per day and uh, over $750 million, I think you talked about, per they, the company. They paid $40 billion into a fund to solve yeah. this problem. And that $40 billion, okay. even though they spend about $12 billion of it from interest rates and everything, there's more than that in the fund sitting in Congress to solve this problem. And that's not government money set aside. That's, gov- that's money that ratepayers have paid through their bills that the government has collected to solve this problem. So the money's there, and, and, the, and the impetus is there. We just need to plan. Exactly. And, and, and uh, on top oh. of it, as you're saying, Jose, nuclear waste, it's not waste. It's used energy that you yeah. can still use of 95 to 96% of it. So the thing is, is the semantics of it, it's not waste. It needs no, no, to be no, I used. hear you. It's, it's, uh, it's recyclable fuel that's been spent mm-hmm. fuel but can be recycled. And I think the best example is what you said. If you uh, throw a fire log into the fire uh, and when the bark burns off and you pull it out, you still have uh, uh, about 90, 90 to 95% usable fuel left. And that's what you're getting to. But the idea right now and the challenge that you have, just even in Virginia, is the public safety, getting the uh, Dominion Power or the nuclear companies to come in and buy in on the idea to re-educate the public. That's the number one thing that you're, the challenge is. Is that correct, Steve? That's correct. And, and you got to understand Dominion's in a utility. Okay, so they're, in the, they're not in the nuclear business. They're in the business of providing power to people, electric power to people. So they're going to make decisions based on that that premise, and they'll they'll do it any way they can that, that that they can make a profit off of it. And nuclear has been profitable for them for ages. And the largest the largest cost of of, of nuclear reactors is debt service on the loan to build the darn thing. And once that's paid off in say thirty years, it's almost you know uh, it, it's a huge profit item for them. And they're closing these things twenty years before they need to because of the competition and the subsidies for, 
for um, the, the composites from cheap natural gas and the subsidies for uh, uh, solar and wind. When that whole system has to start working together, and we we just in my community in the, in the nuclear community, they're horrified at, at what's going on here. They all have jobs. They all have working either in universities or government or for reactor companies or something like that. So they got jobs that they're they're pursuing, but they're horrified that this has been a problem because it's it's actually the simplest part of the whole uh, uh, nuclear fuel cycle. And and so the idea is that why don't we refocus our efforts? Why don't we put this on a on a on a basis where we can make money by doing the right thing? That's just what we're saying. Yeah, and, we're, and we understand it's from both sides of the fence because there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, the the utilities that have this stuff stored on site, they're getting the money to store it. They're just sitting there, and they're getting two point two million dollars per day. To have it, so we understand that they're not going to be as readily ready to possibly turn around and say, "Oh yeah, let's recycle," because that's an income to them right now. Uh, you know, whether that's right or wrong, it, it doesn't really matter. But we need to focus on solutions to move this full thing ahead, and uh, and it's also an impediment to future reactors and technologies to get this stuff going. We're the world is passing us by as we're sitting here still dealing with something from 40 years ago, which is a non-event. So, but the, 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 yeah, the handling of this, of, of the used nuclear fuel, is an issue that all of the antis are taking up as their main uh, possible. Well, you can't even take care of your own uh, spent fuel, so how can you be trusted to do any more nuclear? We should just get rid of it all. And that's absolutely not true, of course, but... What's happened in the last 40 years is sort of amplifying their point, and we need to deal with it. Yeah, I'm just That's sitting here looking at some facts here. I mean, China alone is going to have 400 nuclear power plants by 2050. It has yeah. 58 by uh, right now by the end of the year. 20 others are under construction. I think the U.S. has about three under possible construction. I think all of them have been now delayed or stopped. There's two of them being completed in Vogel, Georgia, and two of them halfway okay. built but not being worked on now. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And then the United Arab Emirates has uh, four reactors. Russia has exported 33 nuclear power plants to 23 other countries. Uh, you know, so uh, the idea that the world has stopped using nuclear power and shouldn't be using nuclear power. I'm just looking at California. California is such a example of where they were in the 70s, where they're going now with a uh, rolling power out outage. It's just amazing to me. Uh, the idea to recycle the uh, the the waste product, as uh, Tom said, it's not waste per se. It, it has value, but to be able to recycle it, to be able to power the entire electrical grid in the U.S. for 100 years is, is pretty awesome. Listen, guys, we've got about a minute left. I know the program went pretty fast. we still got lots of questions. So, Steve, give me a, give me a summary on this, and, and where are we going? Okay, so the, the next step we want to do is, is, is put together a program office in a consent state. So we have to convince the state to consent on this. So we're working in our area on the professional organization, so that's mostly the American Nuclear Society. We're working in that realm. We're trying to get into the environmental uh, nonprofit realm because they are uh, have the money, and they're more and more leaning towards nuclear but haven't embraced this issue yet. 
and we want to get out and talk to the people. The people really need to understand what's going on. So we're hoping with a money incentive that people will come out and listen to it, have their questions answered, and see the benefit of, of moving forward with this. But it's a big job. and it, Absolutely. It's, Right Folks, <laughs> this is your host, Hosini Grown, on voiceamerica.com uh, on the Variety Channel. You've been listening to Nuclear Power Recycling. What do I know? My two guests were uh, Steve, Mr. Steve Curtis, uh, a nuclear professional for over 30 years, and, of course, Mr. Tom Dolan, 25 years in law enforcement and incident management. I'd like to thank my guests. It's a very important topic. We talked about nuclear uh, power uh, throughout the international community. We talked about uh, recycling uh, the uh, nuclear uh, waste or and, and energy so that we can have over 100 years of energy in the U.S. We talked about uh, Virginia being the leading state and trying to start the uh, recycling process of nuclear power. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, being on T3. We'll see you the next time. For my audience, I'd like to thank you, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.